Welcome to Explorations of the Heart and Soul, guided meditations by Australian Zen teacher Andrew Tutel. Find out more at ordinarymind.com.au. Andrew's Zen teachings are made possible by donations from people like you. So please comfortably finding an easy posture. Settling into your posture, finding your seat. Feet grounded on the floor if you're sitting in a chair or knees grounded in the mat if you're sitting on a cushion. We need to balance deep relaxation with stillness and attention. And you want your posture to support that. Ease your way into embodiment through feeling your breath Breathing you, a breath slowly rising and falling, the gentle undulation of the belly breathing. I just do that for a couple of minutes, just settling into the breath. the sounds of the environment. So I'm not quite sure how long this will go for, but if we have some time left over at the end, I'll, I'll signal with one bell if there's time for some witnessing at the end of the guided meditation. We'll just have to see how we go. Just touch base with your aspiration and intention. For example, to wake up from the self-centered dream, to turn towards whatever is arising in this moment and embrace it, to practice kindness to self and others. Whatever your intention might be, just allow your awareness of your intention to be there for a couple of minutes. What calls you to this practice?
So today we're going to explore desire and the practice of non-attachment. Buddhism tells us that the origin of suffering is our attachment to desire. Notice I make an important distinction between desire and the attachment to desire. And that will be one of our focuses today. What is desire? I guess we could write a book about that. Desire always arises from a division within ourselves and between ourselves and the world or the environment. A division within and without. We have separated when we are divided into a subject desiring a future experience or a subject attempting to rid themselves of an undesirable experience. With this division, there inevitably arises a sense of lack and dissatisfaction and a sense of seeking something that complete us and take us take away that that sense of lack. It often takes the form of the words if only. If only I had the perfect partner or if only if I had the house or the perfect job, I would be happy. Um, we can have a whole list of if onlys. Desire arises from memory of wanting to re-experience something we have enjoyed in the past or to not re-experience something that was painful or undesirable. Desire also arises in the forms of wanting to have control over or power over what happens to us in our lives. Desire can be identified as a thought or an image that is arising in the mind with a corresponding energy charge or sensation in the body. We call them self-centered thoughts because they are about my desires. Then, as we say in the practice principles, when we hold on to these thoughts and we grasp onto them, attach ourselves to them, they generate suffering. However, desires, like everything else in life, are impermanent, temporary phenomena. They come and they go. 
Desires in themselves have no power to harm us if we don't hold on to them. It is our attachment to desire that causes the suffering. When we see desire as only a thought or an image with a sensation, we don't have to identify with the thought and we can allow it to come and go. So in this next phase of the guided meditation, I invite you to bring your awareness to clarify desire and to see how desire arises and ceases. How desire arises from a sense of lack. To observe, if we can, how we become attached to desires and observe, if we can, how we let go of attachment to desire. You all know the story of the Buddha's enlightenment. The first part of the story, when he was raised in the palace by his father, the king, to try and protect him from all kinds of suffering. He had everything he desired, one could so to speak, but there was still something missing. And when he witnessed various signs of suffering, the aging, sickness and death, he vowed to find a way to escape from suffering and he explored many different ways of attempting to repress desire, fasting, going meditating for hours and end in the forest, dissociating from desire, entering into blissful states, but he still did not feel satisfied. So then, as you all know, he decided to make one more effort and sat under the Bodhi tree and he discovered the middle way. The middle way being not to necessarily give in to desires and, and the seeking pleasure and comfort, but neither to try and repress desire. That wasn't the, uh, the answer neither. So he embraces the perfection of life as it is and teaches the path of compassion and wisdom, the middle path of non-attachment to desire and the recognition that life as it is can't be anything other than life as it is. This is the middle way. So Joko Beck taught two basic approaches to practice. The first is thought labeling and the second she called experiencing. And we need to use both to clarify desire. So thought labeling helps us to clarify our core beliefs and strategies. Thought labeling is an example of self-reflection because when we are reflecting, we are creating an internal observer that names the thoughts that are moving very quickly. Hence, in a sense, when we are, when we are labeling, we are labeling a thought that has already gone. Um, so in a sense, thought labeling is a kind of remembering the moment that's just been and gone. On the other hand, experiencing is really a present moment awareness of the immediacy of this moment. 
awareness of sensations, perceptions, sounds, experiencing the immediacy of this moment is a kind of non-duality. Rather than there being an observer observing an experience, I'm simply being the experience or being the experiencing with no division. I am the sound, I am the sensation. There is no split in consciousness. Hence it is completely empty and completely full or simply complete, nothing lacking. We can simply rest in this felt sense of presence. And when we rest and just sit, in a sense, we are free from desire. I mean, this is the essence of our just sitting Zazen practice. Zazen is the end of seeking. We're not trying to gain anything from our Zazen practice. So it's embodying this freedom or non-attachment from desire. Desires like thoughts will arise, but in Zazen, we open the hand of thought and let it go. So in our practice, we want to recognize this movement from experiencing to self-reflection. Then sometimes we get caught in rumination, a kind of fusion with thought. When we are fused or identified with thought, we are caught in the dream. So we are constantly moving in and out of experiencing present moment awareness to labeling our thoughts. And often at times we will drift into rumination or identification with the thoughts. So you might only be in the experiencing mode for a few seconds, and then you become conscious of thoughts, label the thoughts. When labeling, we simply record the thought by saying silently to ourselves, having the thought, I'm no good at this, whatever the thought might be. And if you are blessed with a thought-free period of a few seconds of consciousness, simply enjoy experiencing the moment free of thoughts. And notice how that feels, full and complete. Kind of peaceful. Then the thought comes in and we label or simply let it go. We don't necessarily have to label for the whole meditation session. And sometimes we will notice we have forgotten to label or let go of the thought, and then we have become identified with the thoughts. So just try now seeing this subtle movement from experiencing to thought labeling to identification for a few minutes. So we're just going to sit in silence and see if you can notice that kind of movement. And at the same time, try labeling a couple of thoughts if you experience the thoughts.
Good. Now I want you to notice if you are having any what we might call desire-based thoughts and the corresponding sensations. Remember, desire-based thoughts can take the form of a thought or an image, and at the same time, some kind of sensation in the body. Some of us are more visual and some of us are not visual. Some of us are more tactile. We will all have different experiences of this. This might seem difficult at first. Not all thoughts are based on desire, of course. And they can be very simple and subtle, as well as very intense. Some examples of desire thoughts might be having the thought, I wish they would change or they would stop doing what they are doing. These are the kind of desire thoughts that come up in our everyday life, often around our requirements about how other people should behave. Or it might have a form, I really want a new dot, dot, dot. Or I wish I wasn't such a loser. I want coffee with sugar. I would love an ice cream right now. I wish I didn't have a mortgage. I want this pain to stop. I wish I didn't have to pay rent. I don't want to age. I will get a facelift. I want my team to win the cup final. I wish I hadn't wasted my money on that new TV. And examples of desire based images. You could have an image of a, a picture of a cup of coffee in your mind or a picture of your favorite dessert that pops into your mind. You might, have a, you might picture in your mind a, a remote, beautiful mountain village, your own perfect Shangri-La, where life approaches perfection. Or you might have a picture of a perfect house or a perfect zendo. So over the next few minutes, just see if you can identify any, any subtle base desire thoughts or images. And if you can't, that's okay. Just keep noticing the movement from experiencing to self-reflection and to identification with thoughts and back again.
Maintain your awareness of desire-based thoughts and energetic sensations in the body. See if you are aware of any subtle feelings of attachment to the thought. And remember there are two sides to the coin of attachment. There is attachment in the form of seeking or clinging or holding on. And there is attachment that takes the form of aversion, of pushing away, resisting or simply zoning out from what we don't want to be experiencing. In the old days, when I sat for a long time, my relationship to pain and discomfort was a great insight into my attachment to wanting to feel comfortable and free of pain. These days, it might be more like having the thought, I wish I was feeling more peaceful like yesterday. This captures one of the core aspects of desire, the desire to repeat something that was pleasurable or profound on the one hand, or the desire to not be experiencing this particular experience right now. May it be boredom or restlessness or whatever it might be. The more pronounced the agitation or the more pronounced the intensity of the reaction or emotion, then the more likely we are to be attached to the thought. Many years ago, um, when I was on a 10-day Vipassana retreat in the uh, middle of Bath uh, Blue Mountains Insight Center, it was in the uh, early turbulent days of my beginning my relationship with Annie. And at that point in time, she had decided to end our relationship. A number of days into the retreat while meditating, a really clear image came into my consciousness of Annie. And as I was remembering her, of course, I broke down into tears of sadness. This is a very, very common experience for us. For anyone who's lost a loved one, whether it be through separation or death, the desire to be reunited with the loved one can be so painful 
I'm sure we've all experienced something like that. Or it might be the loss of something that we identified with, or loss of a house we really cherished, or and um, sometimes retirement from a profession we really loved. Or how does the sense of loneliness play out when it comes to desire? What may we be desiring when we feel the sense of loneliness? Are we desiring connection with people or are we desiring becoming aware of our sense of lack and separation? Desiring some kind of completeness, oneness? <coughs> So it's very good practice to notice when you find yourself holding on, becoming attached to a desire thought of some kind. It could be quite trivial or very intense. It could be simply noticing the way in which the thought of having a coffee arises in our mind through thought, oh, I feel like a coffee or through an image. And then how simply how we go about and satisfying that desire. No problem with that, usually. Those kinds of desires are usually unproblematic. But when we find ourselves desiring something that's no longer here, that could be problematic. You know, that sense of desiring our youth again, for example, and how that can generate a sense of suffering. And as you follow this awareness of desire, do you notice any sensations in the body, any particular charges, whether it's a tension or a contraction or a subtle feeling in the tummy or something? Or did any other emotion arise? Powerful sense of sadness, maybe? Did you manage to see a desire thought arising and then passing away without becoming attached? So the thought comes into my mind, I wish I, I would really like a coffee, but then just goes away again. And I continue just sitting here with my glass of water. So it's good to notice how these thoughts can arise and pass and how we don't have to become attached to them. So desire is not evil, it's not good or bad, it's just simply human. And in fact, without desire for enlightenment or the desire for freedom from suffering, we wouldn't be sitting here together. Similarly, with the loss of a loved one, 
we are going to experience the pain of wanting to see them again. However, whether or not the loss has happened because of death or separation, we have to find some way of accepting the arising of desire without holding on, releasing our attachment to the desire. Accepting the reality of the loss can take many months or sometimes many years. This is the process of mourning. The middle way practice of non-attachment to desire is not to give in to desire or to repress desire. We simply allow desire to naturally arise and pass away without clinging. Sometimes we can do this and sometimes we can't, can't do this, yet this is our practice. <clears throat> 